There's no better time to become a member of the DSR network. Later this month, we'll be announcing a major media partnership to our ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, bringing you even more insight and analysis than ever before. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, an evening newsletter recapping the day's top stories, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of October, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SPOOKY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SPOOKY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to DSR's Daily Rundown on the big stories we think you ought to be following. I'm David Roscoff, one of your hosts. Of course, we've got two other hosts here each and every day. One is Chris Cottonlar, uh, who's the mastermind behind everything we do that is podcasty. How are you doing this morning, Chris? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Well, you know, I mean, it would be rude if I didn't. And since I asked you, I also have to ask Riley Fessler, our other master producer here. How are you doing, Riley? Excellent, as always. As always, what an attitude. That is Midwest America speaking to you with a big (laughs) smile on its face like it always does. Uh, Chris, as we look at the world today, what are you looking at? So the big stories aside, there are a couple of stories that I've been paying particular attention to. The first is Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s... Go on. That was just, I was having an aneurysm. Go on. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, bid for president um, when the DNC was not going to support another candidate other than Biden, Kennedy decided to jump in the race as an independent. And politics aside, I mean, he's an anti-vaxxer. He's a candidate that is... uh, (laughs) a fringe Democrat. He calls himself a Kennedy Democrat. Um, But he is polling, at least in the few polls that are out there looking at the three candidates together, Trump, Biden, and himself, in double digits. And my hope is on a future episode, we bring Simon Rosenberg in to comment on what he's actually seeing uh, in his research and, you know, what what the impact of that could be uh, on a Biden re-election campaign. There's tons of time. Um, but the fact is, you know, 15, 18 percentage points is not an insignificant number. Um, and it's a bit concerning. And so it, it, it definitely is. Although, you know, there was a poll yesterday um, that showed that him at around 16 percent, as you indicate, uh, but it really took bigger chunk out of Trump than it did out of Biden. So ended up Biden had a had a had a significantly bigger lead. I think the poll showed him having a a three point lead uh, without Kennedy in the race, but within Kennedy in the race, it was sort of high single digits. Uh, pretty impressive um, impact, uh, and not what a lot of people expected. You're absolutely right. We should definitely do a deep dive on that. Um, because it's 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 it whatever you think about RFK Jr. It if he runs it will not be inconsequential. Right, exactly. 
and then this the second is the trial that the United States brought against Google. Um, they'd previously brought a case um, against Amazon. In the case against Google, after a three-year investigation, uh, they're alleging that Google is using its clout in terms of being able to be the default search engines on mobile devices, more specifically Apple, um, but obviously other other devices. The significance of the Apple deal is that it was reported that there there's Google's paying $18 billion a year to Apple to be the default search. I'm interested in these cases uh, because in the, in the case of Amazon, it's probably a bit more, in my opinion, cut and dried in that Amazon uh, uh, hamstrings smaller sellers by requiring them to have the lowest price on Amazon's website, and they penalize those sellers if they don't. And, and the way they do that is they take away the buy it now button. In the case of Google... I'm interested because while I don't necessarily disagree with the premise of the case, I'm skeptical that an outcome will benefit consumers um, in, in that consumers have the ability to change default browsers. Now, people will say, well, they don't do that. And, and that's, that's true. But Google provides an experience, you know, even in the early days of search where competition was rampant. Google kind of won that out. Um, so I, I'm I'm interested in, in continuing to watch this case because I I, I just I'm, I'm interested to see what the outcome is for consumers and search behavior and internet and all that goes with that. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great thing to watch. I you know I would say I was in the Clinton administration in the 90s, and there was this sense that these dot com companies were going to come along and they were going to be sort of democratizing a new breed, elevating business. And a lot of them turned out to be robber barons in the old school. Uh, I think one thing you're going to see in Congress, based on things that I've heard, is a lot of uh, 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 interest in new antitrust cases uh, that could come come in, in, in the not too distant future. Riley, what do you have up? Yeah, so I mean, the real really big story that is pretty much everywhere on Twitter and on just traditional news sites is the hospital explosion in Gaza. And I was following it last night when it kind of first broke and into this morning. And there's still, you know, disputes on who was responsible for this. Of course, the Palestinian um, authorities immediately said it was Israel's airstrike. Israel said it wasn't them. It was a kind of wayward missile that struck the hospital. And this is kind of all against the backdrop of Biden's visit to the region. Uh, and it has affected that in a pretty profound way. In a, in a press conference with Netanyahu, Biden seemed to endorse the Israeli narrative that it, it was, you know, some kind of Hamas missile that struck the hospital. But the effect of this, outside of the horrific human cost, is that Jordan canceled their planned summit which was going to include uh, the Egyptian president, Palestinian leaders, and Joe Biden as kind of a you know, meeting to discuss this crisis. And it was kind of one of the marquee elements of Biden's trip to the region that now doesn't look like it's going to move forward. Yeah, I think one of the most important things that our listeners can take from it is when breaking events happen, you have to be very, very careful. 
because almost immediately the tide on Twitter was this was an Israeli bomb. Uh, gradually over time, uh, there came to be video and other kinds of evidence that suggested that it was um, uh, an Islamic Jihad missile that had gone uh, um, awry. Uh, now Biden, who of course has the benefit of perspectives that he's getting from the U.S. intel community, appears to back the Israeli position that it was not an Israeli bomb. But here we are a day later. We don't know for sure, and we won't know for sure until people pick up pieces of the missile uh, or the bomb or whatever it is, look at it, identify its origins, and so forth. Uh, There's a tendency in the media now to jump ahead of a story and draw conclusions. It led to big protests in the street big protests in the street across the Arab world, uh, a summit that Biden was going to attend in Amman, Jordan, got canceled um, because of all of this. And it was all based on jumping to conclusion. And one other factor that I think is super important, and that's disinformation. Uh, And Twitter has been re-engineered by its owner to make it easier to promote disinformation uh, on Twitter. And it makes it harder for people to discern what's actually true or not. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of what I what I noticed is just everything was, you know, I know, the top results were all condemning Israel for this, saying how could this possibly happen, calling it a, you know, a horrific crime. And it was just everything, everybody was verified. So it was really impossible without kind of diving into each profile to see who was even worth listening to and who was just either making it up or deliberately or, you know, unintentionally s- spreading this. So it was... Yeah, you know what I do is I curate a list of people who I trust regarding each issue, um, regarding each part of the world. I've actually done it sort of meticulously, so I've got a couple of thousand, but I've done it country by country. And I say, these sources are good, these people are good, uh, and it can give you a filter that is useful. But you have to work at it. You can't just sort of take what Twitter says is for you and consume that. Um, any other stories that you guys are on? Yeah. The other big one, of course, is, uh, Jim Jordan's speaker, speaker race. Um, the first vote took place yesterday and it ended up going, I think even worse for him than people projected 20 Republicans voted against him. And then the second vote got delayed until this morning. Um, so as with yesterday, he can only afford, well, yesterday he could afford to lose three, um, since, one representative was not there, but today he can afford to lose four. Um, but some projections are showing that he might lose actually even more than yesterday. That's saying that he could lose up to 10 more Republican votes, according to GOP aides, based on reporting. So it's really not looking good for him going to this second round. Um, Doug LaMalfa said that he would vote for him, but you know that's only one additional. He's got a lot of ground to make up. Doug so LaMoffa. you are tracking the Doug LaMoffa vote, which I really think is. I am. I got, you got to get the names. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, he's gaining a couple, but really not looking good moving into the second vote for him. Yeah, it does not look good. Um, do, uh, do either of you guys have a prediction who's going to be the next speaker of the house? Because I've been watching this super closely and it looks like nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, everything I've read just seems to have no idea. I mean, bridging the gap between the the factions is kind of proving to be impossible, which I think 
it's kind of no surprise that that's impossible. You don't have to but, be in the Congress to be Speaker, Chris. This could be an opportunity for you. This could could be an opportunity for you. Uh, you know, Trump. Oh, Trump has has commented about being the House Speaker, although I believe there is actually a rule that says indicted people cannot serve um, in congressional leadership positions. It's a a Republican. They could change. They could change. But you know what? Hakeem Jeffries is my is my dark horse candidate. He is an excellent candidate. Is that we uh, we've both seen him up close recently, and he's extremely extremely smart, um, deft politically. Uh, most people in the U.S. don't realize um, how strong he will be, and he, of course he has big shoes to fill, following in the heel uh, in the uh, uh, footsteps of, of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, what, are, Chris? Do you have any other stories working? Yes, yeah. So we reported yesterday on the use of attackums, where the United States secretly sent uh, these missiles to Ukraine. Ukraine has used these missiles in an attack on an, a Russian airfield, um, allegedly destroying helicopters. And what this has prompted is a response from Putin, um, who said it was a mistake for the United States to send these weapons, that Russia was certainly equipped to deal with them, but that there was still, um, he was concerned about, you know, the the use of these weapons. And, you know, I think you made the point yesterday that, that you know, this, this is a real tool that Ukraine can use. We're coming again into the winter um, in, you know, in the weather and all that goes with that. You know, this is a this is a significant development, I believe, uh, in the in the war, and one that will will uh, another thing that we'll have to be paying attention to because I I'm I'm also wondering at what point Putin says, you know, he's he's alluded to, but he hasn't come out and said the, or the United States is is directly involved in the war, and then what what consequences or what comes of that for for our country. Interesting question. Very, very big question was definitely a question behind the calculus uh, in, in, involved in this. There have been a couple stories about what that decision looked like, that the NSC was arguing that we should send attackums, that the military, um, both uh, Secretary Austin and Lloyd Milley, uh, Secretary Austin and um, General Milley, um, were arguing against sending them. We apparently we decided at the end of the day to send some very old um, um, attackums. Uh, in fact, the the weapon that was used uh, in the attack on Berdyansk uh, air, airfield yesterday apparently was made in 1996, so it was 27 year old um, weapon. Uh, and uh, uh, nonetheless, it was super effective, and it was also the first time, to your point, that U.S. weapons were used to uh, strike Russia. Uh, and that will push that question forward. I don't think it is a red line issue because I don't think Russia has any good options in responding to it. But of course, that's a calculation. We shall see whether that turns out to be the case. And one can guess that that is being discussed at the meeting between Putin and Xi Jinping in Beijing right now. You have anything else? One more good one, Riley? 
Yeah, so you, you just kind of hit on it was this this Putin in China for this Belt and Road Forum, uh, which was kind of a forum put together to mark the 10th anniversary of the announcement of the initiative. So Putin kind of made one of his rare trips outside of Russia since the conflict broke out to meet with a few world leaders. And really one of the more kind of interesting stories was it was the first meeting with an EU leader since the invasion broke out in February. He was pictured shaking hands with Viktor Orban, um, which is probably, you know, his favorite, it, probably his favorite EU leader. Exactly. I mean, if it was going to be an EU leader, it's not a surprise that it was Orban. Um, just kind of given their history. So, so yeah, I mean, just this meeting with Orban and then kind of doubling down their commitment with China and kind of that, that friendship was really the big theme of, of his appearance there. Super important meeting. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Russia and China are trying to offer themselves off uh, to the world as, you know, the other team, the alternative to the U S and the West uh, and also to the global south is kind of like the underdogs. Kind of difficult in the case of China, which is the second largest economy in the world, with the second largest country in the world with 1.4 billion people and is actually sort of on the cusp of, of superpower status to say they're the underdog. But uh, the message seems to be taken with a lot of people in the global south, and we got to watch that one too. That's a lot of uh, good stories to watch for the day ahead. I think I would watch going forward the remainder of Biden's trip. He's taken a big gamble going on this trip, both physically but also politically. That that events might turn against him, and that that event yesterday uh, was an example of how that could have happened, uh, or, or that somebody in the region might make it difficult. So far, it's looking like it's pretty good, like the gamble has paid off. We shall see where uh, that goes. Uh, we've gotten our upcoming podcast today, later today, uh, a discussion about this. Our friend Alon Pincus will be there from Israel commenting on what's going on. He has a very good article that's out in Haaretz this morning, which I encourage people to give a read to, which says that America's embrace of Israel may look like all solidarity, but underneath it all, um, maybe some doubts about Israel's leadership and its military capabilities. And this may be the first time that the U.S. is essentially saying, well, we got to get involved because we think politically there's problems there and, and, and that that's affecting their security readiness. Great article, great insights. And I encourage everybody to watch the podcast. Uh, we encourage everybody to come back here every day. We'll take more and more stories, try to provide a little value added into them, uh, and provide you with some perspectives on things you might not otherwise find in the morning, uh, or in the afternoon or in the evening, whenever you listen to this until then, um, Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Riley. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening.